are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. We're here weekdays on CBS Sports Radio. Pack it up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole coalesced. Tap that Armchair Quarterback app, take us anywhere you go. Good morning. It's time to wake up, y'all. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterback's app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern sports talk. Good morning, Mr. Justin Waller. Good morning. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Legal sports gambling has made Jets games watchable, even though there was a horribly bad beat last night. Hi, I'm Mac McGinn. I don't know much, but I know one thing. A lot of people are pointing to, who was it? Is it is it Belichick that's overrated? Is it Brady that's overrated? No one seems to even mention the fact Josh McDaniels ain't worth a damn without Tom Brady. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks. Hey, where's my tickets to the Sonics game? They were here just a second ago. Somebody stole my tickets to the Sonics game! The stakes! This is total BS! This is... Oh, got it. Got it. Okay, where's the french fries? I ordered french fries. The stakes! This is total BS! The Abram boy is gonna... Oh, here they are. Where's my power bar? I had a power bar here. Someone stole my power bar! The stakes! This is total BS! This is... Oh, here it is. Hey, where the hell's my Lasorda tape? This is tough! Oh, armchair. Community Access Channel. He's the armchair quarterback. He's full of beer and he's full of snacks. The All-American Man. Hey, howdy, hi, top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Radio Show. I'm Mac McGee sitting alongside Justin Waller and Stephen Church this morning. Stephen, how the hell are you, sir? Steven, you're you're muted. Uh, Justin, how the hell are you, sir? Justin, are you there? Well, Justin's frozen. Steven, how the hell are you? I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) Even though it was a loss to the Patriots, it's like it is still you know a good day when the Jets lose a game. Yeah, it was good for me because I because I had them in the survival pool and I almost lost that thing by the scare oh, yeah. by the hair of my chinny chin chin I got in and it's funny the 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 uh, Mr. Snuppleupagus that I'm going up against he he almost lost his with Dallas against Pittsburgh so I got a feeling one of us is dropping in the next couple of weeks it's just so hard to, especially when you start getting cornered on on who you're gonna pick I I went with the logic that well you gotta take the uh, the the team that's playing the Jets and the Jets actually came out last night and actually woke up and they actually played I, f- I felt for the Jets they, they they played about as good as they could play a couple of questionable decisions down the stretch especially when they first got that the um, when the Jets first got the ball back after the game was tied and the first play they do is they try to go for the gusto and I'm sorry I got that mixed up. When the Jets got the ball back and the Patriots had just kicked a field goal, they're up by seven. The first thing they do on the very first play is try to go deep to get it picked off. 
Then they get the ball back with the game tied and two minutes left. And I felt like the, that their play calling was was it was questionable at best. There, the first thing that they do is not only do you not you can't take a sack there in that situation, but then but then also I felt like that. They didn't take enough time off. And you're if you're in that situation and you're in the Jets, especially as bad as you played all year long, I feel like the first play out the shoot should be some kind of a draw play, something that's very uh, safe, that's going to get you some yardage, and then you make the decision there. If it's a big game, you take a timeout. If it's a terrible game, you then let the clock run a little bit. And then and then your next play would be would be with about a minute left. You've still got time to get in, in, in field goal range. But they played into the Patriots' hand, throwing two incompletions and then one one uh, you know terrible terrible uh, sack. There. Oh, I'm sorry, one very small uh, completion and a terrible sack. So it was uh, and then and then on third down, an incomplete pass. At that point, I feel like you got to. It, it was almost too late at that point because at that point there's about a minute left. The Patriots had almost all their timeouts left and. You, you running the ball at that point to make them kill a timeout doesn't help you any. But I felt like off the jump, just it, it Jets doing Jet things is, is, is essentially, it just seems like that Adam Gase never knows what the hell he's doing, whether he's got the lead or he's uh, doesn't have the lead. What say you? Yeah, I mean, basically, for me at this point, Adam Gase is synonymous with terrible play calling. And I mean, like we saw that last night, they just kept making questionable decision after questionable decision. Even when the offense was starting to turn a little bit, they just, for some reason, they kept, you know, wanting to feed the ball to Frank Gore. And I mean, yeah, he's going to get you three yards in a cloud of dust, but I mean, it, it just doesn't work. Like it's like in, the, in today's NFL, you know, like it, just the, like you said, like the Jets are going to jet. Yeah, they're... I, and it really comes down to the fact that, look, I thought Flacco played actually pretty well for Flacco. Uh, oh yeah, but the but the, but the play callings down the stretch were questionable. Justin, I know you were locked into this one because you you, you took the Jets on the money line, which uh, <laughs> man, it it would have knocked me out of the uh, survivor pool. But I was kind of pulling for you because didn't you put fifty on the money line? Isn't that what you yeah. said? Yeah. So and then I was once like, my wife found out what plus 340 meant, she sat here with me biting her nails. And I'm like, I told her, I said, it started the second half. I was like, watch. I mean, it, it, this this gambling 101, honey. I promise you they're not going to blow this game out. It's going to be a nail biter, field goal at the end or something crazy. Right. And you're going to get burnt and you're going to be like, yeah, I got nothing. Um, but it makes the Jets game entertaining. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, won a free play over the weekend. Uh, th- those are pretty cool. So uh, I advise people to take advantage of those uh, if you're listening to us in the Tennessee market. And uh, all of them are offering the big three. Uh, uh, get those in. They got a lot of good perks right now. And of course, so. DraftKings is who we want to uh, push people towards. Um, what was your take on the on the Jets blowing the game? Because basically, I felt like that they did a poor Joe Flacco's deep pass at five minutes fifty five seconds to go on first and ten when you ran Frank Gore all night. Why'd you have to do it there? Uh, took a deep shot with two two deep safeties, and uh, yeah, he threw it right to the Patriots. Yeah, and you know the most dumbfounding thing about that: if you get the touchdown lead, and I get it, that's a lot of time left in the NFL. 
but you got the touchdown lead. You actually gifted the fact that they they that the uh, that penalty gave the Patriots the ball back again, and all they did was churn time off the clock because they still ended up with a field goal, right? <laughs> so that helped nobody. And so you get the ball back, man. You got to eat clock off that. Like that 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 was the biggest. I mean, at least gasp. go three and out with three running plays. Take a minute and a half off the clock. Don't just uh, deep pass yeah, off the clock. If, you, the first if you do it right, th- uh, three running plays is going to take two minutes off, and then whatever you burn after that, you know, during the punt. So the Patriots' offense is not is is not. If you're going up against the the Chiefs, I'd say it, it didn't matter because if you're not going to uh, score or hold on to the ball. Pat Mahomes is going to go down like you know a hot knife through butter and, and get you a touchdown. Da 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 da. But the Patriots' offense is terrible, and if you make them have to churn those yards out, make them go the whole length of the field to get a touchdown, and you have to, and let's say they have to do it, let's say they get the ball back with around three minutes left. Cam Newton's going to do Cam Newton things like turn the ball over, do something stupid. Even that that final. Uh, drive down the stretch where they did get the field goal to win the game. And and we heard him talking about that right before we came on where he, he said, I, I thought, I thought I blew it again. Da, 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 da. He did. It was a terrible pass. The receiver did a great job of getting down and catching the ball, getting them into uh, field goal range with three seconds left. But the simple fact of the matter is it was a terrible, terrible pass from an NFL quarterback who's who's supposed to, in his mind, thinks he's still an elite quarterback. It was an awful pass. That's all I saw all game long. Um, Let's go ahead and put a lid on that. Uh, Just real quick before we have to head to break because we've got to get some fantasy football in. Uh, Justin, do the Patriots make any kind of a run towards a wild card? No. Steven? I don't see it. There's no outside threat and Cam showing he ain't good. He doesn't have the arm still left to uh, threaten any opposing defenses. Steven, what say you? Uh, I mean, I, like, I don't think so. Like, they're two games behind the Dolphins for second place in the AFC East, and Dolphins are barely on the play, like in the playoff picture. So, I, I, I don't see them overcoming that. I agree. I just don't – I think the AFC is going to be – I think you're going to have to – I think you're about five – Maybe six wins is what gets you into the wild card in the AFC. And they've already got five. And the Patriots, they play the Ravens this weekend. So, hello, number six. I don't see how the hell that they, they're just holding off the inevitable. And that gets to be our Sunday night game. Thanks a lot for not flexing that one out. Good God. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. We're going to be talking some fantasy football as we get you ready for Waiver Wire Wednesday. It's important to remember the value of taking time for ourselves to do the things that help us grow and explore, like learning something new. And now with the Great Courses Plus, it's never been easier to experience the joys of learning. The Great Courses Plus offers thousands of streaming videos that cover hundreds of fascinating topics, from World War II to choosing the perfect wine. You can even take a course on the U.S. government or dealing with stress and anxiety. And because The Great Courses Plus partners with world-class professors and experts, you're always receiving thoroughly vetted, high-quality content from every lecture. Plus, you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with The Great Courses Plus app. So take a little time for you. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today for a free month of unlimited access. 
Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio to get started. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. In a little cabaret, in a South Texas border town. Weekends in the fall just got a hell of a lot better. Saturday mornings, it's Dixie Football Nation, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We talk SEC, ACC, the Big Ten and more as the only true Southern football kickoff show on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss it. And now on Sunday mornings at a new time, we're going 11 a.m. Eastern to noon Eastern with the NFL Fantasy Football Stardom Sinem Pick'em Show. We do DFS, season-long fantasy, and we keep a winning record against the spread. 8 to 9 Eastern Saturdays, 11 to noon on Sundays. The Armchair Quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long. Freedom Roy, the tiger bit the man in the head, and everybody's mad at the tiger. Talk about the tiger went crazy. That tiger ain't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. Take a look at what I've done. Used to rock in my basement. Now I'm number one. I'm the pinnacle. That means I reign supreme, and I'm notorious. I'll crush you like a jelly bean. I'm bad. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. As uh, we get you ready for Waiver Wire Wednesday. Only only a handful of these left uh, as we get closer. We're, we're going to week 10. So most leagues, you have four weeks left of your regular season. And you're going to start trying to position yourself to get in the playoffs. Uh, before we get into this, Justin, all the leagues that you're in, what's your biggest concern? In other words, what team are you the most worried about as far as making the playoffs or something to that effect? Every dad blame one of them. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's been brutal, man. I mean, I feel like a like a rookie this year. Like it's football. Explain this to me. Um, I, I I can't explain it. I, I drafted three running backs on accident and every one of them gets hurt. It's been the story throughout the league. Oh, and I trade one of them to get a Michael Thomas that I just got back for the first time Sunday night. Uh, so man, it's just been that kind of season. Uh, it's been horrible. No matter who I have, they're hurt, injured hours filled up and I've got a bunch of guys. I have no idea who they are. Well, well, that Zeke Elliott trade that I thought that I got the better of as, as soon as old freaking uh, Dak Prescott went down, he hasn't not been worth starting. I, in fact, I've benched him uh, the last two weeks in most of my leagues. He he, ended, he didn't get doubled. He has not gotten double digits since the Giants game. Wasn't that the game, or or was it the errors? No, yeah, uh, wasn't that the game that uh, Dak got hurt in? The Giants game, because the next week was Arizona, and I know he, I, I know they didn't have him against Arizona because he. So since Dak Prescott has been out, I'm pretty sure that that was the game that, that he got hurt in because he played the whole Cleveland game, so it had to have been the Giants game. He has put up four consecutive weeks. Now he goes into a bye, so it'll be five consecutive weeks of. Uh, not hitting double digits in our scoring system, which is usually pretty good. I mean, you, you know, our, our scoring system is set up to benefit people with good weeks. That's how bad it's been with him. Um, 
Un- unbelievable. But anyways, uh, Stephen, what team are you most concerned with? I'm in the same boat as Justin. I mean, like the league he was talking about where he drafted three running backs. Uh-huh. He's still ahead of me in the standings by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ended up, I ended up Is with that the uh, auction Saquon league? Eckler. Saquon Eckler, Chark, Gallup, oh, uh, Thielen, yeah, Zachers. Off the jump, Gallup. Newton. Gallup is now trash, right? Um, do you even still Everybody have him on your team? By trash. the way, is it is a Gallup even still on your roster? Or are you just holding on, uh, holding on to hope, or, or did, you, did you kick him to the curb already? I mean, I've got him, but that's because everyone like there's no one else worthy of even taking. The one that I'm most concerned about, Justin, is the one that uh, that terrible league that uh, <laughs> that uh, Brad Shelton runs, where you have like 28 wide receivers and it's not even a PPR league. That one, uh, I'm I don't ever remember being this bad in that league. I'm, I'm three and five, and uh, I'm on the outside. I'm just on the outside looking into the playoffs there. I don't know how your team is there, but uh, I man, I can't get anything. I'm five going. and three, third and ten. Let me tell you, the third of ten. Let me tell you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't get anything going in that league. And then, you know, a guy that you think you you, you may bench, I I can't even hit the right wide receiver combinations. And I I have two decent wide receivers in Hopkins. In Thielen, and then of course Deontay Johnson from time to time, but then when you put that fourth wide receiver, you normally have to start with the flex. It becomes a nightmare. And I rolled the dice open. Antonio Brown would do something, at least get in the end zone. And I benched Marvin Jones. It was last minute, and Marvin Jones actually got in the end zone. But even then, he didn't do anything great. And of course, J.K. Dobbins has been a bust. He's absolute trash, but I don't feel like I could drop him because I'm starting DJ Dallas right now. So if I drop him and uh, we and I run into some kind of issue with DJ Dallas while Chris Carson tries to get healthy, then what the hell do I do? Um, I know you keep defending him, Stephen, but J.K. Dobbins is done, man. He he just went into the doghouse by fumbling on on that one yard line. And I'm telling you, Harbaugh is a guy that remembers that. Not saying he won't get any carries, but they get near that goal line, it's going to be the Mark Ingram show when he comes back, and until then it'll be Gus Edwards or uh, Jackson like we saw. So then, at that point you're hoping that J.K. Dobbins breaks off a long run because if he gets pushed out at the two-yard line, they're going to motion in Mark Ingram as as soon as he gets healthy because they know he's not going to fumble. So, and that's always been Dobbins' bugaboo. Him, him and uh, Jonathan Taylor of the uh, of the Colts have all. That was their biggest uh, bugaboo going into the draft was that they fumbled a lot in college. And guy, and the thing is, guys know that in the NFL when they know you fum, you're a fumbler. You you have to fight that moniker off for two seasons solid because every time you go into the hole, they're just hammering at you, hammering at you. But a guy like you know, you know, like a guy who isn't known to be a fumbler, like like a Frank Gore, we were just talking about, he can go in there and, and they're not messing with him at all because like, well, we're not getting that out of his hand. So it's I mean, it's, not, it's a mess. Sometimes you just got to ride with though. I uh, ride with it though. I mean, Kareem Hunt's rookie season, he fumbled on his first or second carry like of the of the season. 
And Andy Reid threw him right back out there and went 200 yards in that game, ended up leading the league in but rushing. Andrew, so, I mean, Andy Reid is not Harbaugh. Harbaugh believes in ball control, defense, and Andy Reid figures, well, I'll, I'll outscore my opponent. So I'll take the good with the bad. I'm just saying Dobbins is going to be a dicey start the rest of the year. It's going to knock people out of the playoffs if you start Dobbins going into the playoffs. It just is. You might get lucky. Maybe maybe he busts off a, a long run, but it's going to be a dicey situation. But what sucks for me is like he's like one of my best backups in the league that I'm talking in, in that specific league. He just he's just one of those guys you, like you can't drop him just because of that upside. Like well, it, yeah, you he, hope everyone gets injured and you have him and then away you go. But by the time he gets by the time he gets beneficial to have, Mark Ingram is going to vulture is is the issue that I have with him. But yeah, we can, can we could do a whole podcast on that. So uh, let's go ahead and move on. Um, I guess we need to go ahead and jump into the uh, the 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 waiver wire pick um, as uh, looking into. Does anyone have the uh, bye weeks in front of them for week number ten? I, I, I don't have them in front of me. Uh, Stephen, do you have them? Uh, I know offhand the Falcons are on a bye week. Uh, let me double check the rest of them. Cowboys are on a bye week. And aside from that, I can't remember the other ones, but I, I, I know you have Falcons and Cowboys. Okay. Because um, unfortunately, uh, CD Lamb is going to be out, and I got to figure out another Kansas, Kansas City and the Jets, I believe. So Kansas City, Jets, Cowboys. What was the other one? Sorry. Falcons. Falcons. It's just four this week? Yes. Okay. That's a lot, though. I mean, that's a lot of t that, that's a lot of big names there, excluding the Jets. Um, the you have to absorb. Um, I don't think I realized that Kansas City was one of them. So wow. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the six pack to go. Hey, Mister Bartender, please don't be so slow. I've got time. We do our six pack to go here. Six pack As, to uh, go. Steven's with us every Tuesday, and he always has to run early to, to head to work. So we do this now and suppose it later. Steven, what is your first uh, pick in the six pack? Well, there's really not much on the waiver wire this week. Uh, there my really main target isn't. because of injury is going to be uh, Duke Johnson. Uh, David Johnson left. Sunday's game with a concussion, as you know, Dave and I well know. We're not very happy about that. <laughs> that was the one guy, wasn't it? Didn't didn't we do uh, other than that? Other than that goofy injury, didn't that? Uh, I I believe yeah, that part, DFS like, actually did pretty well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And even if he didn't have a great game, if he just would have stayed healthy, we we would have fared decently, right? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. That, Wasn't but, it you know, that tricked me into uh, getting Duke Johnson in the auction league when I thought it was David, and then I had to go back and overpay for David because I needed them both at that point? Somebody did that to me in one of our uh, auction leagues. And, uh, Who, they me? They didn't put D-A or D-U. I, I, I believe Steven. Sorry, oh, okay. I, I was pointing. I, yeah. I was eyeballing, but he didn't right. see my contact there. Right. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't remember that. Uh, that's funny. I remember some people making moves on Duke Johnson, not realizing that he was still there with David Johnson there. But I didn't know that someone tricked you into it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, I mean, it was just D Johnson. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good deal right there. And uh, oh, what jolly! <laughs> so I 
so if so if you grab Duke Johnson, I think it's only because you have David Johnson. I mean, there really are no other running backs on that Houston roster. And, well, what I'm I mean, saying like, is, do we know for sure that, do, that David Johnson won't play? I mean, he's in concussion protocol. I, I Obviously, it's not – nothing's decided yet, but I think you need to be taking a look at him. Because, I mean, the, like, the next best, best option is Kalen Balaj. And if you want to go that route, not. feel free to spend all your money, and I will run away screaming. Uh, Justin, who, who do you have on your first Apparently line? I suck at fantasy, so I don't know, but I think we've got some running backs we could use this week. Uh, if you're in a pinch, you could look at Jordan Wilkins far down if he's left. I don't like the matchup against the Titans on a Thursday night, but uh, Wayne Gallman's out there the last three weeks, put up decent. I mean, not the greatest but uh, he is very touchdown dependent. That's the problem with him is that he, if, if you get him, he's got to get in the end zone. Um, I'll get, I'll give you one other running back that I wouldn't necessarily say is a great pick, but maybe one that you hit and hope and hope hopefully and hope for the best. He's only 20%, 26% rostered uh, Jordan Wilkins of uh, the Colts. Excuse me, man. I came out of nowhere. Uh, excuse me. Um, I it's it's either him or you or you or you go with JD McKissick, which I uh, I don't know. That, Six and one, half dozen in the other. Well, she brought it up. That would be my addition to the, to the other one that I would go with. I, I think the Kyle Allen injury helps him with Alex Smith coming. He's going to be looking for the veteran running back. He's going to be looking for a safety. And I think it helps McKissick. Makes him a little more valuable with Smith in there, I believe. It could. Uh, I haven't checked the, the injury report, but is there anything wrong with Gibson? Not that I've seen. So that's the problem I have with McKissick is uh, unless there's some injury that I'm not aware of, um, he's going to split. He, he's going to split time with the Washington Redskins offense. They are playing Detroit, but that's not. <laughs> I'm just going to say no, no one's writing a book about that. Here's how to win your your fantasy football championship with a split redskin backfield. <laughs> uh, Steven, what's your next pick? I'm going Homer on this one, but he she showed out last like uh, last week and has a very very favorable schedule coming up. I'm gonna go with Tua. I mean, he's 20, 20 of twenty eight, two hundred forty eight yards, two touchdowns. Net, like leading up to the playoffs, even into the first round, he gets the Chargers. Broncos, Jets, Bengals. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better a better schedule. You know, th- I mean, that's not a bad play to be honest with you. If you have like, if you have to throw a dart somewhere, you know, you just you can't expect the moon and stars from him. But if you just need someone, uh, I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. I think it's a better better matchup. Drew Locke is playing uh, the Raiders, and I don't know why they abandoned the passing game in in Denver in the first half. They, they could have thrown for 6,000 yards, and they kept trying to run the ball, which was doing nothing. I feel like Denver needs to just abandon this running game and just and go to passing. Both of their, their main running backs, both Gordon and Lindsey, can catch out of the backfield. It's not like you you know just totally abandon your running backs, but I feel like they need to throw more. So I'm going to say Drew Locke is my, is my next one. Uh, Justin, what about you? Oh, you laughed at it. It would have been J.D. McKissick. Oh. <laughs> My bad. What about as a Carolina Panther fan? 
not a great matchup this week, but going forward, what do you think about Curtis Samuel, Justin? I like it, but Samuel's always that weapon that's plugged into the system. You just don't know when Rule's going to call his number. I mean, it, it's kind He's of the Levinska Chenault of the uh, NFC, huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I swear if they would get the ball in Chenault's hand in Jacksonville, I, I feel like he could do big things. But He's like when Bellage, you know, Bellage in Miami. <laughs> you know, he's like, man, when he actually gets a, a chance. Oh, no, Bellage was just terrible. But I can remember a couple of times where he looks like he was shot out of a cannon, and just yeah, you, and, then, and the rest of the rest of the season he averaged one point three yards a carry. Yeah, but it's that one play, man. <laughs> uh, I know you got to run, Stephen. What is your walk off, sir? I don't. Um, I think we're going to see an zero sixteen season out of the Jets, especially after last night. Like I saw a meme on a Twitter. It was uh, based on the Avengers. It was Loki saying, you know, with the Jaguars hat on, we've got a tank. And then Iron Man with the Jets hat on, well, yeah, we got a gase. Steven, better chance. Jets 0-16 or, or Steelers 16-0? Or no? Jets 0-16, hands down. Justin? Jets 0-16. I think so. Even though I don't think they'll run it out, they'll, they'll win a game. Steelers have three games they could go 16-0 because they only have three games that I think that, that they could lose that are left. All right, Stephen, we will see you uh, Sunday morning for the uh, Stardom Sidham uh, kickoff show. Yeah, have a good day. All right, we're going to be back in a flash here in the in the uh, on the Armchair Quarterbacks here on CBS Sports Radio. We come back. Justin found a very interesting article talking about are Major League Baseball pitchers cheating? And if so, what the hell can we do about it? We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Well, we don't have enough to pay the rent We ain't gonna worry, though We've got time for one more round And a six-pack to go One six-pack to go Let me sum it up. Twitter's stupid, and Instagram is Twitter for people who can't read. We live in a world now that welcomes and nurtures the screwball in all of us. Hey, it's a new decade, people. Time to get a little nutty. Treat yourself to Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey, a smooth flavor that combines two of America's favorites, peanut butter and American whiskey. So no more social awkwardness. Time to embrace who you truly are. Get out there and make friends. And be sure it starts with Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. It's available nearly everywhere. Learn more at screwballwhiskey.com. Infinium Spirits. Please enjoy responsibly. Hi, this is Justin Muller with the Armchair Quarterbacks for breaking news and trade rumors in sports, exclusive articles and videos, and some of the funniest stuff just to fill your day. Find the Armchair Quarterbacks on Facebook today. It's important to remember the value of taking time for ourselves to do the things that help us grow and explore, like learning something new. And now with the Great Courses Plus, it's never been easier to experience the joys of learning. The Great Courses Plus offers thousands of streaming videos that cover hundreds of fascinating topics, from World War II to choosing the perfect wine. You can even take a course on the U.S. government or dealing with stress and anxiety. And because The Great Courses Plus partners with world-class professors and experts, you're always receiving thoroughly vetted, high-quality content from every lecture. Plus, you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with the Great Courses Plus app. So take a little time for you. Sign up for the Great Courses Plus today for a free month of unlimited access. 
Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio to get started. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays. Drive time? Find the Armchair Quarterback Show on Facebook today. I had a plan, was a big baseball player. The Armchair Quarterbacks are covering America's pastime from spring training all the way to the fall classic. 5-2 Dodgers in the ninth. Got him. They've done it. Like the 1969 Mets, it's the impossible dream revisited. And Myers bringing it. And the pitch is hit in the air. Foul off first. Benzinger backing and calling. And the 1990 World Championship belongs to the Cincinnati Reds. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a 1-0 10-inning victory. Belt, left field, way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. As Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning, and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Armchair. Mr. Money, will you please escort Mr. Washington off the court? Take him down the block. And if this dreadlock bumbaras even blinks wrong, you lullaby his ass. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. I gotta come from a long, long Those of y'all don't remember that, that's a clip from a New Jack City. One of the many, 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 many things that I hadn't watched in years that I got reacquainted with during this uh, terrible lockdown that we've endured. Hopefully, look, we got good news yesterday. Hopefully, we'll get the. Uh, uh, the Pfizer uh, vaccine should be kicking here somewhere before Christmas. So uh, I don't know if that means that we'll all get it be by Christmas, but I would think at least by the end of January, it'll be, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be the first guy that tries it, but, you know, uh, I might be the, you know, two, you know, th- three to fifth millionth person that tried it. But speaking of that, uh, Hearts go out, and we uh, want to uh, send well wishes to one of our long, long-time uh, listeners and viewers. I don't know if he's listening now, but uh, uh, Michael, uh, that uh, he, he's in our fantasy leagues. He listens to the show every day. Michael has been hit hard with the coronavirus. Started well over a week ago, and he hit me up yesterday. I just saw it. Uh, either late last night or early this morning, uh, that he said that his uh, oxygen levels have gotten bad. And so uh, we uh, pray for him and hope that he can uh, come to a speedy recovery or just a recovery in general. It's it's getting kind of scary. I thought he was out of the woods. He, he thought he was out of the woods. He sent me a message late last week, and I, I asked him how he was doing. He, he said, I think I'm doing better, and now his oxygen levels have gotten bad. So uh hopefully he's getting the care he needs um justin we'll try to pivot away from that you know it's it's kind of hard to change subjects on something like that but um a bit of i guess i don't even call this good news but uplifting uh news 
I don't think I realized it was this old, but this is, I just saw someone post it on Facebook. I just shared it to the page. This is the 235th uh, birthday of the United States Marine Corps. So we, we uh, wish them happy birthday. I, did, I, I don't think I realized, well, first of all, I wonder how they came up with that date is, is the first thing. I would, I would love to hear the story behind that. And that would have been right in the middle of the uh, Revolutionary War um, or what was about to subside because we declared our independence what, in 1776. So it was right before the, the Revolutionary War. So I guess they said, well, if we're going to sign this contract, we better get a damn Marine Corps together. <laughs> we're going to need we're going to need some people. <laughs> I would say, I would say everything but the Air Force was was their birthdays were right around the, you know that time period right uh, I can't imagine the Air Force came into effect until after Kitty Hawk um, unless like maybe throwing throwing slingshots over walls was considered the Air Force <laughs> um, a bit of good news too yesterday I ran across this article I thought it was pretty cool uh, Justin. Okay, so the bad part is Josh Allen lost his uh, his grandmother, I believe, and she was 80 years old. I don't know what side which, of the family it was on. Which one? Jo oh, sorry, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Excuse me. Uh, Thank you. The only one of note recently, right? <laughs> Until the Jaguars get above 500. If I say Josh Allen, I'm probably talking about the Buffalo Bill one. Um, although, Josh, although Josh Allen of the Jaguars has played well. I don't want to beat him up. Uh mainly because he lives too close to me. He might be able to find me. Uh, <laughs> um, but good luck with that one. What's that? I said good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm getting anyone bringing me help. I think I'm going to have to, uh, as I like to say, oh I, oh, I ain't fighting fair, baby. <laughs> I'm bringing bar stools and everything to this party. Um, you might be able to run the, the the 40 faster than I can, but you won't be able to do it with a busted kneecap. Uh, <laughs> Josh Allen, Children's Hospital up there in Buffalo, his grandmother passed away. And I guess Josh Allen recently, past few weeks, had done some virtual thing for the, uh, I think it's pronounced Oishay's Children's Hospital. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. Anyways, the point is this. They, as soon as he, the news came out, I don't know if he tweeted it out or maybe the news just came out that he lost his grandmother. That children's hospital for the day or whatever, however long the, the time period was, uh, the, what is the best way to explain this? They have a fund that Josh Allen has been putting his name on. And I guess they changed it to her name briefly, okay, because she passed away. And people started, and I guess when you uh, donate money to his fund, you donate $17, increments of $17, right? Because his number is 17. When they did, when they did this, because, because in the honor of his grandmother dying, in it was i believe 48 hours ish give or take so i might be wrong they raised almost $35,000 as of yesterday morning in the oh. in the buffalo area for the children's hospital in her name essentially 
at $17 a pop. Now that's in increments. Obviously, you know, if you have a lot of money, you could do it. I want a thousand of them and that's going to give me 17,000. But I would say it, it's more so that it was several $17 increments of people all throughout the Buffalo area. So I, I, that tells you something about the, I guess they usually hashtag it as Bill Mafia, Bill's Mafia. And, and in that day, they hashtagged it as, I don't know her name, but Josh Allen's uh, grandmother. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, the- I mean, kudos to uh, Bill's Mafia. As goofy as you guys are, and the silly things you you do across this nation, uh, y- y'all are loyal and take care of your own. So uh, we applaud you. I'm always skeptical of a lot of different charities, but nothing involved in, involving a children's hospital, right? You'll see some charities and like, wait a minute, what am I giving to? <laughs> you know, save. Saving one particular bird in the uh, in the uh, in the fo- in the uh, forest down in uh, South America. No, 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 no. And who are you with? Are you like that UNICEF, UNICEF scam in the seventies, where all these kids we used to walk around with, with our orange boxes, and you supposed to give us money? Where I'm supposed to rely on the fact that that you're going to take that money and turn it in? I remember we did it. I remember saying it at the time to my mom. She about beat the hell out of me. But I was like, "What's stopping me from going and buying candy with this money?" Because I, I think I got nickels and stuff like that. And she was like, "Don't you dare!" I didn't say I was going to do it. I'm saying, "What is stopping me?" Because we were all going around the neighborhood like it was like it was Halloween. <laughs> uh, but your article is the one we want to talk about now. You you found this on the Athletic. I'll let you lay it out as far as. Um, I thought I thought it was a really good article, by the way. Uh, what 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 they're coming across on what they believe it could could be looked upon as cheating in uh, Major League Baseball? Uh, yeah, uh, great article, and uh, it's elaborating into supposedly twenty players have spoken with. Uh, it's written by Eno Saris of uh, the Athletic, and. Uh, He's crediting it as they're, they're saying top to bottom pitchers are uh, the cheating with uh, foreign substances, whether it's concoctions they make their self, if it's something fabricated. It even goes back and elaborates and goes into Trevor Bauer did an experiment back in 2018 with the Indians and uh, used a substance and showed how he added, it says 300 uh, rotations with the substance. I mean, it, 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 it tremendously... You know, I mean, that, that's that's Cutter having just tremendously extra. I mean, that's the basement falling out of it or a fastball that uh, is tailing into you or away from you. I mean, it, it it's putting movement on things these guys are already throwing hard as ever. Now, in the cliff notes, just because we're, we're short on time, is if if you do this in, in the matter of uh, – in the – modern era we're in of the launch angle, the home run ball, the juice ball, pitchers are complaining that these are tighter lace. They, they can't, can't grip the laces. Should we just go to one universal agreed upon tackiness and um, allow the pitchers to use it? Everybody knows it's out there. It can be done. Should you allow it? See, the problem with that is a slippery slope, but if you're going to allow it essentially – and it doesn't seem like it's being policed. It's not. It goes into that to where, as right now, only the manager, I take that back. The, the umpire, if he suspects something, I think in 2020 had the power to uh, do an inspection 
on his own. But before that, it had to be policed by the skipper. Well, the skipper's got to keep in mind, hey, do I want to call out Joe over here and have him inspected when I don't know what skeletons I've got in my own closet of the bullpen? See what I'm saying? And he goes to, you know, just the, the substances, the locations that they could be hiding. A lot of long-haired pitchers like to put it on their neck, underneath their, their hair, or you keep seeing them. Uh, is it snail from – and I'm not, I'm not saying names, but I'm just trying to think of someone that's constantly touching the same spots. Uh, and I, I believe it's snail that touches – or it might be glass snail that touches the side of his hat. I, I don't know if it's a tick, but I notice every time he pitches, uh, he touches both sides. And this article got me thinking, you know, it, with clear substances, uh, who is and who isn't. And if you don't know and if you don't have policing, if you make one universal substance that you know the outcomes of what it can and cannot do uh, – should you allow it to offset the home run ball? Put some balls in play. My take is this. I don't think they should be using it. And, but if you're not going to police it, then I'm with you as far as, okay, if you're not going to police it, then we need to make sure that one is universal. But, and then you know the agreed upon. Okay, if you're going to use it, you can use this and get away with it. What I don't like about it is, and the and the, I know a counter argument would be, not using it becomes dangerous because they have less grip on the ball, right? And I and I get that, but man, these guys are throwing hard enough as it is, and we're already having a hard enough time getting batters on base and getting the ball moving around. And everyone's swinging for gold with with the launch angle, which is just nauseates me to no end. Um, I, I a little bit of this way. Whatever we decide on, I am in favor of getting the ball in play more in Major League Baseball, making the game more exciting that way. The stat geeks that think it's better to swing for the fences because if you swing for the fence and you get it. 10% of the time that you are improving your chances of winning, et cetera, et cetera. It makes for a worse product. And so this, this tack as as most of them call it. Um, I look, I I've known it's been going on. I didn't realize that. And of course they, they have no proof of this. This is all speculation, but I had no idea that they believe it's as permanent or prominent as it is. But I mean, it even goes on to say it's as prominent as middle infielders are putting it in the palm of their gloves. So when they're yeah. throwing the ball around, they're getting tack on the baseball for the pitchers. And if it's that adamantly happening, either you got to do just the umpires need to check both pitchers before the game and just make it a universal. You, you check them over and then they take the mound or you just need to have one universal tack that, uh, everyone can, uh, can use. Um, I don't mind having a little bit more pitching back in the game. I, I, I think I would kind of lean towards uh, players being able to use some tack. Uh, I'd rather see that than hits batsmen. Uh, maybe it's uh, add a couple years to Ronald Acuna Jr.'s career. And uh, I don't know. If the, if the batters know it's coming, I think it's an adjustment they can make. Plus, it's going to get them back to more of contact, just solid baseball and get us away from this grip it and rip it it's 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 home run or strike out and that gets old to watch what people don't realize is when when, when someone says baseball's boring da 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 and 
look, we've talked about people, most people that say that just don't understand the game. We won't get into that. But I will say this. Baseball is more exciting when there's ducks on the pond, right? When you've got runners on base, the anticipation that any base hit could lead to a run as opposed to sitting back and waiting for a damn two-run home run. You know, you used to say three-run home run, but let's be honest, nowadays with the way they all swing for the fences, that doesn't happen very likely because you're either getting you're not getting enough people on base and you're basically sitting back waiting for that. What I found one of the most exciting things about the Atlanta Braves this year is though they did hit hit a lot of home runs, they put a lot of the balls in the gap and they and they put the bat on the ball. Uh, I felt like the Cardinals were doing that as well. I watched a lot of their games, but to no avail, their offense was kind of I, well, I had to catch myself there. I almost said the wrong word. Uh, not good. <laughs> uh, but when you have an exciting off, the team that I think did it the best recently would be the 2018 Red Sox. Of course, that's marred by the, by the cheating that they may have done and to what level we'll, we, we, we may never know. But I felt like that the Red Sox were on to something. Get, you know, not only did they have the power bats of Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, et cetera, et cetera, but they were getting guys on base, ducks on the pond. And I want to see more of that kind of baseball. That's exciting brand of baseball to watch. When you're sitting back just waiting for that home run and you see, oh, man, but it's great to watch a guys, you know, you can look at it from the perspective of watching these great pitchers strike these great batters out. Okay, I get that. But when the ball's not being put in play, I don't mind a low-scoring baseball game. I really don't. Two to one, I'm fine with. But that's if the ball's in play and there's defensive plays being made. And maybe maybe a right fielder guns down a guy trying to go from first to third. That's great baseball. But just sitting back watching guys swing out of their shoes and getting struck out by guys that in years past may not even been on a Major League Baseball roster because – they can't find the strike zone, but they don't have to find the strike zone now because batters don't know what the strike zone is and they just swing. So I guess I guess that's my concern is that the game's going to go by the wayside playing this kind of baseball, and it concerns me. When you're talking about the movement, it affecting the movement of the ball, and I remember that as a part of the article, that is the biggest part that concerns me because then that makes – it's one thing for the ball to go faster. It's another thing for the ball to – jump around right to almost to the point of uh cheat code well yeah it, cheat code or I, what i was thinking is it's, it's almost like giving every single dude out there or making every single guy out there they all have a mariana rivera mariana rivera pitch right ball's coming in hot and it's moving on you so that's that's my biggest concern might get some rings in atlanta I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to level play a field. You know, we need some rotation help and Anthopolis isn't helping. So let's let's get some tack. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one? But I mean, I don't think I, I find this interesting, especially we just mentioned, uh, you know, the, the game of baseball and how it's all offense. Doing a little homework last night for a Veterans Day tomorrow. And I, and I won't completely ruin it, but uh, July 2nd, 1963, at age 42. Uh, Warren Spahn battled Juan Marshall for, he was 25 years old at the time, 16 innings into a 0-0 game. They ended up winning one nothing. You'll never um, see that again in the history. <laughs> Spahn threw uh, 201 pitches, Marshall uh, 227. You will never see that again. They kept trying to take Marshall out. 
And uh, he said, you see that dude over there? He's 42. I'm 25. I ain't coming off this field. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, too. Is even if you got a pitching duel that, let's say a guy's pitching really well, right? And let's say he's, they're all like Greg Maddox-like, right? Five inning I'm sorry, five pitch innings, right? Where where most of the outs are coming on the first pitch ground ball. There's still, so, so, so we get to the end of the seventh, and then he's got around 35, 40 pitches, right? Like it was a video game or something. They would still take him out of the game because their analytics would show, well, you can't go through the lineup a third time, so let's take him out, even though he's dominating. That, that's why you'll never, you'll never see anything close to that ever again. I don't know if we'll ever see a guy go 10 innings again like we did with uh, Jack Morris for the uh, Twins against the Braves and was at 91 for Game 7 of the World Series. they No manager would do it. He went 10 innings of shutout baseball in Game 7 to win it all, and you got Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell out of, what was it, the fifth inning or whatever the hell it was? Because, oh, you were, well, he, we can't go through the lineup a third time. Jumped up from the dugout like he was shot out of a cannon. Because, oh, rip, rip, that's it. Even though he was about to face three guys that, he, that, that he'd struck out earlier in the game. Asinine. I'd like to see some more duels. I'd like to see some lower run ball games. Um, I would. But but that's just me. I would. Well, but what I would like to see is the ball in play. And I, I, what we would also gain from that is this has been lost. and No one really talks about this, but I think about this a lot is the fact that we don't get superior infield defensive play anymore. In other words, you don't name one guy in Major League Baseball that you see a consistent highlight reel, no matter how talented that they are, of in the in the lines of like an Omar's Vizquel or an Ozzy Smith. I ain't seen it since Simmons, and that's been a while. Right, and that in Simmons in Atlanta, that's been five years since yeah. since he's and, and by the way, he's coming up as free agent, but his his value is no longer considered what what it would have been twenty years ago because of the shifts that, that have come into play. And I know everyone always wants to say. They need to hit the ball the other way. They need to hit the ball the other way. But my thing is, look, this is not the same athlete that played in the early 1900s. And we don't have the analytics back then as well. And so they never thought to do all these crazy shifts because they didn't have all the computers or whatnot. So you have to adjust with the times. And if you're going to allow them to move guys around and da-da-da-da-da, used to back in the day, there was only a few players that they shifted on ever, and that was a rarity. <clears throat> Normally, you played everyone straight up until you got to, to late innings, and then you had your your first and third base uh, guard the line. You, you hardly ever see that anymore. But my thing is this. If they don't come up with some way to outlaw the shift in some form or fashion, we're never going to see the great defensive plays we used to see because now when the ball's hit into the teeth of the defense – three guys standing over there that don't have to make much of a move and it's pretty much routine grounders over there. I want us I that's that's one of the reasons why I want to see a line down the middle and you can only have two defenders on the infield dirt or closer 
on 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 each side. That's why I want to see that because I want to see it. Now look, nothing stopping you from putting a an outfielder maybe creep him in a little bit, but he his feet would have to be on the grass, but that means two your 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 other two outfielders have have got to make it up. I hated that crap I saw in against with Tampa when they had the the uh, the softball outfield. That was terrible. Yeah, I'm not a big component of the shift. Uh, granted, I'd like to see hitters attack it more or uh, just throw a bunt down. Um, but I don't want to sit around and wait for for them to evolve. What is that going to be? Five right. years? You know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's kids growing up right now going to watch this, and, and they're. There's going to be a kid come up in the next few years that, that's going to be a drag bunt master, right? And he's, and that might be the only way we ever get a 400 batter again. But one guy is not going to change the game. And he could still pull that if there's shifts. You could still shift, but I don't want you to cross that line until the, uh, until the pitch is released. And at that point, you can't be running over in the middle of a pitch because you're going to really put yourself out of position. Um. Anyways, that's my rant on that. Uh, are you concerned with the CMC uh, shoulder injury? Are, are you hearing that it's a bad one, or what's your take? Really on no, that? no insight, just a shoulder injury. Uh, man, I think uh, CMC's got a little Steve McNair in him. So uh, if if he's good to go, he's going to play. Hurt or not, he's going to play. Nick Chubb, by the way, looks like he should be back yes. this week. So that's big for Nick Chubb owners as far as fantasy goes. And for, and for the Cleveland Browns, man, the, man, the Cleveland Browns are right there in the thick of the playoff race. I think they, they're getting overshadowed, which is good for them. They're they're better. I kind of want to see – there's a part of me that wants to see the Cleveland Browns do well. You know, Is, is Baker out or is he – He should be back. This Remember, they had the week off. And, and from my understanding um, – it wasn't anything that was, uh, you know, that was going to keep him out long term. But I'm, I'm going to double check it real quick um, because he uh, obviously let's see COVID nineteen. He's the last thing that was reported. He could be cleared to practice as early as tomorrow. Basically, I know nothing. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow. They're gonna need him. Oh yeah, well, I, I don't even know if I know who who, who their backup is. Uh, probably Bud Light guy uh, to help with all them beer coolers they were working last year to get up. Yes. The what the you know the the one good thing about uh, Baker Mayfield is uh, for all his faults he's been extremely durable. So. He does seem like he's got a bulldog in a bulldog mentality in him. I, I want him to do well, just because of all the pundits that 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 laughed at him when he was a number one pick. But he every once in a while he does something stupid where you're like, oh god, I'm pull, I'm actually pulling for this guy. What the hell am I doing over here? It's kind of like, um, well, there's a few people like that that I that I want to pull for, and then right about that time they jump up on a table and say something uh, very uh, demonstrative and they get suspended for the Clemson game. <laughs> By the way, watching that game last night, the Patriots, sh the Patriots should have signed J Jameis Winston. And we laughed at it back in the, in the fall, I mean, in the summer. But I honestly think Jameis Winston would be doing better than Cam Newton right now. 
I can see that. I mean, just by sitting on the sidelines, he looks better. He came in the other night, man. There, there were so many people that that were excited about that on on Twitter to have a Jameis Winston side. I was kind of hoping that they they'd let him chuck chuck one deep, but or you know what would have been really fun and really entertaining for our purposes is is if they would have signed them both and let them fight it out. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to see Jameis Winston eating a W against the Jets yesterday? Did you see him dancing in the uh, locker room eating that W a Sunday night? I think he even had Peyton dancing with him. Yeah, freaking Sean Peyton was freaking. Yeah, you 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 know that game meant a lot to Jameis, even though he had nothing to do with it. Um, I know you got to run. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Do you have any idea what you're looking at right here? Football helmet. I know, but who, <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. So this is a little history lesson. This is the the USFL, which you you'd have been a young young baby at the time of them coming out. I know you're aware of the USFL, but you're looking at the Los Angeles Express. What they were most known for was they they gave Steve Young a twenty five million dollar contract back in the eighties. Uh, it was a 25-year contract for $1 million a year, which today would sound like, oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. You you pay it off, whatever. But back then, it was really ballsy to get him to not go to the NFL. Then the league folded, and the joke was on him. He didn't ever get all that money. He, he got a decent amount of it. He didn't get all that money. Uh, and that's when he ended up at the Bucks, and then the Bucks traded him to uh, San Francisco. And then this is the Washington Federals. The only, the only player of note that I can remember on the Washington Federals was Reggie, uh, not Reggie, Craig James, that ended up playing for the Patriots. He was in the uh, Pony Express with uh, SMU in college. But why this is significant here is they would later on become the Orlando Renegades and uh, move down here. They, they they played all three years of the, of the uh, USFL. I don't have it in front of me, Justin. The, the entire franchise probably won six games. <laughs> <laughs> the two Steve Spurrier coached him too, the winningest coach in Orlando still. He he was involved with the Tampa Bay Bandits. He 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 wasn't with I don't really remember who the Orlando Renegades uh coach was, but I'm sure I'm sure they went homer because that that was the thing that really got people to um to to pull for their specific teams. Is that they had a they had a clause and this actually would be kind of cool unless you lived in a terrible college football area then you'd be pissed off all the time, but they made it where in the USFL let's just say for instance Los Angeles the reason why the Express got to draft Steve Young first they got first dibs was because the BYU was in Los Angeles's market right. And so, for instance, the Jacksonville Bulls would have had claim to Gators and Seminoles, and even though they may have needed a, let's say, let's say they really needed a quarterback of Trevor Lawrence's ilk coming into this year, if there was a team sitting in the Carolinas, the the team in Carolina would have first dibs. And so, I always thought that was a kind of a cool thing that they did because, and maybe the XFL needs to do more of that where. You try to bring in. Who cares if you're winning those first two, those first few years here with the XFL? 
XFL, the new XFL with uh, The Rock. Try to get your fans involved in it. So didn't Tennessee have a team? Didn't Memphis have a team or something like that this year? Or did they not? I can't remember. No, St. Louis was our closest on XFL. They used to have the... Okay. Uh, Okay, well, even if even if you don't put a team in Tennessee, have St. Louis to have dibs on the volunteers, but show the St. Louis team in the Tennessee market, you would get Tennessee fans more likely to watch that in the spring than in just random junk where you're like, I don't know who this guy is. Let me look him up. Okay, I guess he went to Oregon State, da-da-da-da-da. But if you knew that you had a guy that, you know – I don't want to name any players right now because most of the ones I can think of are going to be good enough to get the NFL, but a backup, so to speak, that gets in the XFL, you you could root for that kid. Garantano could be playing quarterback in the XFL, but if you but if you got to see him every weekend, of course you might have such bad taste in your mouth about that. So maybe I should let that go. <laughs> yeah, that's but, a good walk off right there. Yeah, <laughs> the Rock will fold in the XFL if Garantano is one. Garantano, quarterbacks. <laughs> Garantano and St. Louis going head to head against the Orlando Apollos as James Blackman takes the field. <laughs> we can officially found our first toilet bowl. All right, brother. We'll see. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Take it easy, man. God, can you imagine having to watch that? All right, we'll be back no. in a flash. Scrap everything I said. That was a terrible decision. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio. When we come back, uh, baseball gave out some awards. We'll get into that and what's what's ahead. And as far as college football, we're going to dive into some college football. We will be back in a flash on the Armchair Quarterbacks. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio, number one sports station. Good morning, and this is your Armchair Quarterbacks Sports Flash. Here's Newton trying to get there. Looks like he does. Touchdown, Patriots. And an extra point away from tying the game. That touchdown with about two minutes left tied the Patriots with the Jets as Cam Newton burrowed into the end zone. The score was 27-27 when the Jets got the ball back. Went a quick three and out, and then it was up to Cam Newton and the Patriots to try to win it on the last few seconds. Available, second and ten. Eight seconds left. Newton down the middle. It is caught by Myers, and the timeout with three seconds left. Folk on the way, and it is good. With zeros on the clock, Nick Folk. The field goal from 51 yards away, and that's how the Jets fall to 0-9. And the Patriots fight on for another day. Cam Newton had this to say after that win, Keeps the Patriots season alive for now. Told us that you were taking these games very personally. Just what were you thinking as you were leading the team down the field on that last drive? I was like, it happened again. I thought I missed Jacoby on the wide, uh, the middle, the middle, the middle read. But man, to God be the glory, man, it's been a, a, a long, a long last couple of games in the last month. But yet, you know, just to kickstart right where we want to be, and you know, we just so resilient to see today, and I'm just so happy for those guys in that locker room to keep just battling back. It was. It was a pretty, but it was a win. 
Patriots go to 3-5. Jets are now 0-9. And that's your Armchair Quarterback's Wake Up Show, CBS Sports Flash. Stay tuned for more of the Armchair Quarterbacks on these CBS affiliates, our Facebook Live, and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Tap that app today. Cool. Wizard versus nerd. Break you down with my spell. No, science is the answer. At Shell, we know from the time you get up to the time you wrap up, Good night. there's a lot of meetups, eatups, and hurryups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the Fuel Rewards program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. And engines that continuously use Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. And see full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays. Drive time? Find the Armchair Quarterback Show on Facebook today. I hold the microphone like a grudge. Be a whole record so the needle don't budge. If you're looking for gifts or stuff for yourself from all teams, from all sports, it's MVP Collectibles in the St. Augustine Outlets Mall. Suite 245 across from the food court, MVP Collectibles has all 32 NFL teams. Every SEC, every ACC, teams from the Big Ten, and 10 different Major League Baseball teams. That's MVP Collectibles. It's where the armchair quarterbacks can be found just before game day to get our man cave popping no matter what team you love. It's important to remember the value of taking time for ourselves to do the things that help us grow and explore, like learning something new. And now with the Great Courses Plus, it's never been easier to experience the joys of learning. The Great Courses Plus offers thousands of streaming videos that cover hundreds of fascinating topics, from World War II to choosing the perfect wine. You can even take a course on the U.S. government or dealing with stress and anxiety. And because The Great Courses Plus partners with world-class professors and experts, you're always receiving thoroughly vetted, high-quality content from every lecture. Plus, you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with The Great Courses Plus app. So take a little time for you. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today for a free month of unlimited access. Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio to get started. That's the Great courses.com slash radio. Hi, this is Britney Spears. This is what up, what up, this Jay-Z. This is Jennifer Lopez. Armchair. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterbacks. We're getting a little college football. Before we do, uh, I just posted it up there, but I want to make sure everybody knew. Uh, the uh, We were talking about the Orlando team, the USFL team. I kind of forgotten this. I, I, and once I read it, I was like, oh, that's right. Lee Corso w- was the head coach. 
back when they uh, were in Orlando those uh, two seasons, uh, they were not uh, very good. They went 12-42 and 42 their entire tenure for two seasons up in Washington, one season in Orlando. 12-42. and 42. Can you imagine being a diehard Washington Federal fan? I know there are still people that claim to be diehard fans of said USFL teams. Like, they're historians of it. They love it. They eat it up. When I was a kid, I, I was a huge Jacksonville Bulls fan. I don't, I don't know if I can still claim that. The, like, how could I still claim to be a Jacksonville, Jacksonville Bulls fan when they haven't played in 36 years or 35 years, whatever it's been? But anyways, interesting. Um, once again, we hope uh, Michael is doing well. You know, We talked about earlier in the show, and uh, we hope to hear from him soon. Uh, one of our longtime listeners and viewers uh is battling a covid so so we hope everything is okay with him um we talked a little of the waiver wire a little while ago i'm gonna get later in the hour i'm gonna get into players we didn't talk about players that could be available because when we normally hit those waiver wires in on tuesday mornings uh on the first segment we're usually talking about someone that's kind of jumped out of nowhere well there's still guys that you can pick up that are they're not owned in a lot of leagues and you can get in there and find guys that are available. Cause when you hit, this is the sweet spot from here. I think it actually goes all the way to week 13 this year. I really wish they would condense these bye weeks, but I believe it goes all the way to week 13 this year. I really feel like that they should condense bye weeks where we have, uh, eight weeks of it. And started around week four and ended around week eleven. I would even be I'd even be in favor of let's do six on most weeks. I think if you got all the way up to eight, you would probably endanger yourself as far as not, you know, eight would be great to a degree because you would only have four bye weeks to deal with in the National Football League. But from a fantasy football perspective, Man, you could get decimated if you don't pay attention to your bye weeks in the in the uh, in your draft, and then also from the logistics standpoint of watching football every Sunday, every Thursday, every Monday. What would you have left? Could you figure that out to where you are not losing enough? teams to where you almost get bored of like, well, look at this matchup this week. This is terrible. It's bad enough. We have the Ravens who are going to demolish new England. I would think this come Sunday night, but at least it's something right. You know, you could see Patriots maybe playing a good game and giving the Ravens a run for their money. Okay. But what if you get to a point where you've eliminated so many games on, on every single on all these weeks to condense the bye weeks that you run into a situation where preseason, it looked like something decent on paper, but now all of a sudden you're stuck with something like Houston versus um, Denver on a Sunday night and you can't flex out of it because there's not enough options. So that, that, that would be my concern. 
But I would like to see them condense it down to we, we could do it in eight weeks. We really could. We could do it in eight weeks. You could probably do it in five or six weeks, but eight weeks you get four. I don't know if I would knock out an entire division. I would probably do half a division each time around. That way, if you're a Titans fan and your team is off that week, you can pull against the Colts that week and it gives you something to root for, right? Um, obviously, us fantasy football folks are going to watch no matter what, but I'm looking from the from the big picture of it. So anyways, let's get into the college football rankings because they obviously come out, uh, well, s- Sunday, Monday, depending on w- which one you're looking at. But normally Monday is just such an absolute wild hayride that we, d- we normally, normally don't have enough time to get into much college football uh, on Monday. So I like to jump on them on Tuesday. Remember, it's not that far away. We're going to be start getting those uh, uh, the competition committee We'll start releasing their top four. I want to say that's coming up in the next few weeks. I believe it's before Thanksgiving. So um, it was pushed back a little bit this year, but I believe we're going to get it before Thanksgiving. I'll have to double check that. So what I'm seeing now in the poll, obviously Alabama jumped to number one uh, in both the coaches and the AP poll. Now, I don't hate that per se, but I will say this, I felt like Notre Dame should have got more number one votes than just a total of six between the two polls. That to me is a little crazy considering they did just beat who everyone feels like is probably the best team in America. Now, they, they, they did it without their starting quarterback, but I talked about this yesterday. Clemson's backup is not the reason why they lost that game. That was a great game. Clemson's backup threw for what? 400 yards? Maybe that final drive of Trevor Lawrence gets you out of the woods a little bit. Maybe he does little things throughout the entire game that would extend drives, win games. Uh, His experience, maybe they do win it. They probably do. But I think Notre Dame should have gotten a few more number one votes. Alabama's probably the number one team, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. What's a little asinine is that I'm looking at this, and in the AP poll, Ohio State gets got a number one vote, and in the coaches poll, three of them. Why I've never liked the coaches poll is because its coaches are usually voting for their buddies or they're doing the old school Steve Spurrier thing where you vote – the team that you're about to play up very high because you want them ranked as high as possible to gas your team up. So the problem with all these polls is that there's obviously a human factor and they're all biased, but the coaches polls more biased than the AP poll. Um, I don't worry as much about the AP poll because you're talking about what is there's I think there's 62 votes nowadays in the AP poll. I would kind of like to see it a little bigger, to be honest with you, to get more of a demographic around the country involved. Um, I don't want it too big because then you you start getting real kooky things involved. But anyways, Alabama's one, Notre Dame's two, Ohio State's three, and Clemson's four. That's in all polls that I've seen. Now here's where it gets interesting. Number five. And number six are flip-flopped in the AP and coaches. 
and the coaches, they've got Florida and the AP, they've got a and I'm sorry, but you can't put Florida over A&M. A&M did beat Florida. Now, do I believe at the end of the year, Florida's got a much better chance of getting in the playoffs? Of course they do, because they're going to have the opportunity to play Alabama. And if they beat Alabama, they will have beaten the team that A&M could not beat. And A&M has no chance of getting back in this argument. You know, you're going to get Texas votes, but that's about it. Most people are going to vote in Florida. I would, I would understand the argument for A&M. A&M's path to get in. God, I hate using that term because it just reminds me of the terrible week we just had. But A&M's way to get in would be for Texas A&M to get the Gators to lose another game, whatever the game is, leading in. So they still play LSU. They still play uh, Tennessee in Knoxville. Those are the last two games. One of those two teams could pull off an upset. They still have Kentucky. You know, they've you know they've got they've got some games that I think Florida could be upset in. But that is a and If you're an A and M fan, that is your only way of getting in this. Is your only way of getting in this is that you've got to get Florida to lose before the SEC title game and then get the Gators to upset Alabama, and then maybe. That gets you in there. I still think AM might even need more help than that. They might need Alabama to lose a game and lose in the SEC title game to get them to, to, to two losses where AM sitting at one, Florida and Alabama. And even then, are there going to be chuckleheads that are going to say, well, I got to vote them in because they're the conference champion, even though that would not realistically be AM's fault because you would be looking at. A situation where, you know, how the hell is that your fault? You lost one game at the beginning of the season. You're not allowed to play in the championship game, but we're going to keep you out because you didn't win the championship game. So in a perfect world, A&M would find a way for Alabama to lose two games. A&M run the table. A&M get in the conference championship game and beat Florida in a rematch. That would be a fun rematch, I think, for the entire United States. Maybe not for Florida State fans, as most Florida State fans are still holding against Jimbo Fisher, so they wouldn't know who the hell to pull for. I see this argument all the time on Twitter right right before they played. FSU fans arguing whether or not you're pulling for Florida or AM. In other words, is your hatred for Florida greater than your despise for Jimbo Fisher? I've got one answer for you. One answer is there's only one answer that is appropriate. If you are a Florida State football fan, you do not pull for your arch rival. I don't give a damn what the stakes are. Unless you're going to gain something, which you gain nothing in that. It's one thing to say I'm pulling for Florida to beat West Virginia in 1993. Because when they did that and Florida State beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl for the national championship, that made Florida State the outright champion. A lot of people forget that game. That was one of the rare times if you're a Florida State fan, you pulled for Florida because West Virginia won. I don't think they would have won it, but they would have had a claim 
for the national championship because they would have been undefeated. But if West Virginia would have blown the doors off of Florida that day, then it didn't happen. It was the other way around. If they would have blown the doors off them that day, well, who knows? And the argument for Gator fans back then was, do you want Florida to win? And should Florida tank that game because they don't want Florida State to win the national championship? Spurrier did not go that route. He uh, actually pulled out all the stops. I'll never forget that game because we were watching them both. Uh, I was at my grandfather's house, and it was back in the day when – you know, you didn't dare put two televisions in the living room like we have now, mainly because they were so boxy and big, right? So we had one in the, I guess it was a bonus room, a Florida room, so to speak, and the other one in the living room, and we were watching the FSU game in the living room and had the Florida game in the bonus room, and we would keep bouncing back and forth and back and forth, running back and forth, checking it. We were pretty much taking turns, me and my dad and my grandfather, and we were taking turns running back and forth, of you know when my grandfather would go outside to have a, have a cigarette with his beer or whatever he would check the score my dad would check the score during commercial breaks and every once in a while I'd run out there I remember us running back and forth heavily involved in that I remember there was a there was like a flea flicker at the beginning of the game where Florida scored and right then I thought I said to myself they're gonna try to win they're they're not trying to th- we, we we were afraid that they're gonna blow it but it was back to that point the point is if you're an FSU fan you pull for Texas A and M to beat Florida. Unless for some strange reason you have a stake in AM losing. In other words, if you were an FSU fan and you were your team was ranked number two, AM was ranked number one, Florida was having a terrible year, okay, then you pull for Florida. That's different. But not when the stakes are high and both of those teams are playing for the SEC title game or a few weeks ago and they're both undefeated. No, nah, you don't pull for the Gators. That's asinine. It's a stupid, stupid, stupid statement. And these are the same people that like to get you with the gotchas and almost almost feel like you like they're pulling against the program when you see these people on Twitter uh, basically trying to defend the fact that they thought Willie Taggart should have been kept. <coughs> Excuse me. Nobody who watched Willie Taggart coach for Florida State for two football seasons with a level head who doesn't have some other agenda would ever say that Willie Taggart should have stayed at Florida State. Anyways, we'll we'll get off that. But my point is, for A&M's path to get in there, it's tricky. They, they need Florida to lose at least one more game before they play face Alabama. Or... The best case scenario would be Alabama playing a or losing two games. Remember, Alabama goes to LSU this weekend. Hopefully, there's been question marks about the uh, the COVID uh, quote unquote outbreak at LSU. I'm a little concerned about that going forward. I'm a little concerned that uh, we may not get that game. Uh, haven't heard any new news on that, but it, it concerns me. It does. It, it concerns me. Um, remember, now this is when LSU was very good last year. LSU beat Alabama in a great game last year. Uh, it was about a year ago and it was, uh, it was, I remember it was a 46, 41 finals. It's incredible, incredible game. Um, but if that game goes off, the, the plan is for that to lead in right as the masters is going off the air on CBS. And if that ended up being a good game, whether Alabama wins or not, that can be a good game. That would be great, 
Great day for sports. Can you imagine? You get Alabama, LSU, say it's a nail-biter. Whether Let's say even if Alabama wins, it would be an incredible ending to a day that is moving day on, on the Masters. So, so we look forward to that. But Alabama, they've only got four games left. They've got LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, and at Arkansas. At LSU and at Arkansas, at home against Kentucky and Auburn. If Alabama were to win, lose two games, I think it's got to start at LSU, but their best chance was to be have 80,000 people rocking. I, I believe LSU's got fans in the stands now, but it's not going to be you know, a typical Death Valley type game, so you lose that advantage. And then as far as Arkansas is concerned, that might be their second best chance because I don't see how Kentucky could go in and beat LSU, could beat Alabama right after they were to lose to LSU. They're gonna be fired up, blow the doors off them. Maybe the Auburn game because of your uh, in-state rivalry, but Auburn just has not looked very good this year. It's gonna be a tough road to get A and M in there unless you get. Alabama blows the doors off of Florida, so they immediately knock them out the ring. And then there's other upsets that lead to where a one-loss A&M team is allowed to get in the playoffs. That would be the other obvious way. Because if you're an A&M fan, if Florida beats Alabama, a one-loss Florida team beats a, an undefeated Alabama team in the play in, in the uh, SEC title game. You're not going to the playoffs, baby, because there's a good chance both of those teams are going to go. Regardless, you've been eliminated from the com- from the conversation. You could still get Ohio State in there, but what happens if Clemson beats Notre Dame the second time in? I feel like you got to put both of them in because the committee realistically at the end of the day is not going to look at it as two ACC teams. They're always going to view Notre Dame as an independent that oh, by the way happens to be in the ACC this year. So they're not going to penalize them for that. It's going to be a tough road for A&M to get in, but the way to get in would be somehow Clemson gets upset these next few weeks. Then they go in and beat Notre Dame, or Notre Dame just beats Clemson a second time, and it eliminates Clemson off the block. Alabama beats Florida, eliminates Florida off the block. So you get Notre Dame, you get Alabama, you get Ohio State, and then A&M could sneak in there. So that's plausible too. But that's assuming they don't have some bleeding heart crap that comes from a 5-0 Pac-12 team that does not deserve to be in the playoffs. No team in the Pac-12 deserves to be in the playoffs this year. Playing seven games is absurd. And they've already canceled a few. So some of these teams at the most can go 6-0. and That's It's absurd. And what I saw from the Pac-12 the other day, maybe Oregon has a chance. But they're going to have to be extremely impressive shut everyone down and roll through through that entire system. I mean the the, the the entire schedule. It's just my take on that. Um I just I I just don't see it any other way. I don't see how it could be. 
Uh, moving on from that, back to back to the uh, the top twenty five real quick. We'll wind this out. Uh, Cincinnati and BYU are both sitting at uh, six and uh, seven and eight. Excuse me. I j- I'm telling you right now, I'm a BYU believer, and I get it. They're not going to play a heavy heavy schedule, but that's not their fault, and they have looked phenomenal. And if they run the table. I'll be the first one to say that they – I don't give a damn who gets eliminated. You need to have BYU in there. Cincinnati goes undefeated. You probably have to keep a I, – I don't feel like BYU would lose to Cincinnati on a on a neutral field. But maybe that's the – maybe that's what, what the uh, consolation prize is, is that the two of them would square off in a bowl game. That would be a lot of fun to watch. It's probably not what we get. They probably separate the two. But I, I I would like to see a Cincinnati BYU showdown. If somehow those two could find a way to play each other in the next few weeks, pencil it in somehow. Maybe do it during, you know, the I, I don't know when when the uh when a Cincinnati's conference championship game would be. But how how great would that be to watch Cincinnati and BYU? And I believe BYU would beat them. But we'd have to see it on the field to know for sure. I think it would be in in both their best interests to pull that off. Because if they could pull that off, whoever wins that game would put their name into the national title playoff picture immediately. Cincinnati beats BYU or BYU beats Cincinnati, they immediately would pole vault over Florida, over A&M, probably not Clemson, but they'd be sitting at number five just waiting for someone to lose. And I know that's not a popular opinion because everyone wants to only give it to SEC teams and maybe a Clemson and maybe an Ohio State. There's other teams that play football out there, and BYU has looked physical and they have looked impressive. And they don't beat themselves. That's the other thing that is lost when you don't watch these games. Watch a BYU game and see how little they get penalized and how their blocking scheme, they look like a machine out there. BYU beat a pretty good Boise State team like they weren't even there. By the way, I saw at... Adnan's Verk, or Adnan Verk, whatever the hell his name is, the, the one that I've complained about that was on ESPN. He would go on there constantly and talk about how he he how baseball is inferior to basketball and how it sucked and no one wants to watch it. And then we see a few years later, he shows up on Major League Baseball Network, and they're trying to sell us, sell him to us. And I dug up something, and I did not know that this was the case. And I'm going to tell you what it is when we come back from the break because it's very interesting of the crap that's trying to be pulled over your eyes. I'll tell you that as soon as we come back from our break, we've got to take a break. I'll be back in a flash on the Armchair Quarterbacks. You can't handle the truth. Hey there, pal. First draft? How can you tell? Look, there's a few things you're going to want to know. Kickers go fast. You're going to take one early. And don't worry about running backs. You can always trade for one later. Cool. Thanks. And one more thing. It's good to have you here. You're my friend. Armchair. Um, 
Do you love to shop for guns? We're also looking for friendly service? Well, the search is over. Top Gun Supply here in St. Augustine is the friendly gun shop. The staff is very knowledgeable. Frank and Kirk can answer whatever questions you may have and assist you with your AR build. They have a great selection of ammo at great prices. They also carry a full line of targets, cleaning supplies, Lucas Oil products, and firearm magazines. Top Gun Supply is a Glock Blue Label dealer for military and first responders. So what are you waiting for? Stop on by Top Gun Supply of St. Augustine, 525 State Road 16, here in the Westgate Plaza. Top Gun Supply, the friendly gun shop. Rifle in a gun rack, hanging in the back blast. We are the Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the First Coast. The last segment of the Armchair Quarterbacks app, radio show, and Facebook Live. We're talking baseball. We'll be talking fantasy baseball, pickups, trades, who's hot, who's not, sleepers and butts. And with that, we'll also be talking real baseball, how these players perform and what it means to their teams and what to look for. That's the Armchair Quarterbacks, talking baseball, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central, the last segment of the Armchair Quarterbacks app, radio show, and Facebook Live. Take me out to the Rays game. Take me out to the truck. Downtown St. Pete, we in Tampa Bay. We changed our name, now we changing the game. Our home runs go into the Rays tank. Players go crossing the plate. Before it's one, two, three runs are scored, and the Rays won the game. This year's a dumpster fire. Was it always burning? Well, it keeps on burning. This year's a dumpster fire. We didn't like it, but we tried to fight it. Here's a big old screw you 2020 from the Armchair Quarterbacks and Armchair Quarterback Nation. This is a dumpster fire. No, we didn't like it, but we tried to fight it. K-I-S-S-M-Y-A-S-S spells kiss my ass. <laughs> You'll be the gut or you haven't got style. You haven't got if you've got it, you stand out a mile. Sports Talk Radio. You either got or you haven't got style. Tune in weekdays here on the Armchair Quarterbacks, CBS Sports Radio. You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. I'm going to find out who you are. No, I don't think you can. I'm going Well, I've never been to heaven, but I've been to Oklahoma. Welcome back here to the Armchair Quarterback. Tuesday morning, that can only mean one thing, waiver wire Wednesdays upon us. You got to start putting in your claims and whatnot, what you think you may or may not want. Um, Adnan Verk. He is one of my least favorite people in sports, and it's because he's a phony. I've got nothing against the guy personally. He, he might be a good person. I don't know. Uh, I tend to think that he's not. I tend to think that he uh, is a guy that is trying to do whatever he can do to push 
his way into the cinema world because he does a cinema podcast. And I should probably actually listen to it. I, I would probably respect that. He's a very polished broadcaster. The really polished ones are the ones that bother me because I feel like they don't speak from the heart. Um, but he currently is a contributor for the MLB network and the NHL network. And I came across something for Adnan Verk that I did not know. And that is that he was ran out of ESPN on a shutter. And the reason why was he couldn't keep his damn mouth shut about things that he was told not to talk about. See, when you're in this business, you're going to come across people that will confidentially tell you stuff to help benefit you because they hope that they you will do the same. But there are certain things that they will say, look... Don't say, don't tell anybody this, but this is what could be happening. And evidently Adnan Verk would not keep his mouth shut about things that pertain to ESPN specifically. Okay. So that's the first issue. And then just in general, there are people that would go out and they didn't want certain news broke until certain things happened. And he would be out there shooting his mouth off about it, tweeting it. It's all because he was trying to get as many followers as possible. Because if you'll notice, he's he, he's got this uh, cinephile podcast that he's very proud of. And I think the guy probably does know quite a bit about Movies, because when I would see him talk about movies, it seemed like he, look, he's very, he's one of those over analytical type of uh, movie watchers, movie goers, but that's what you expect in a critic. So I, you know, I don't hate that because that's what you expect in a film critic. That's what they do. They overanalyze movies. I am your basic Joe. When I watch a movie, you asked me at the end, did you enjoy it? I either enjoyed it or I didn't. Adnan Verk will go in and tell you, well, the, the plot was this and this and that and, you know, the the scene and the lighting, et cetera, et cetera. But the point of the whole story is this guy got ran out on a shutter from ESPN because they got tired of the fact that every time they told him something, he would shoot his mouth off. I have a few friends in this business, nowhere near the to the level that an Adnan, Adnan Verk would have, because he worked at ESPN for years before he got canned, and um, I, and I guess this happened close to two years ago. I just did not know about it. I didn't pay attention to it. But I have guys that that I used to write with that have gone on to to bigger and better things that I never reference on air that I do know. And we, I look, I'm in a specific email chain. Okay. And this is how I get my information. I've been in this email chain for years. They've never kicked me out of it. I've been very, very appreciative of it. And anytime I can find something, I always send it to them first before I ever put it on Facebook or Twitter 
to let them know what's going on or what I'm hearing or, you know, the rumors and da, 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 da. And so I update them pretty regularly. I'd say two to three times a week. Meanwhile, this email has been going on for years. And there's a lot of stuff that gets released to me that, that you always know if it's stuff that you can talk about and if it's stuff that you can't talk about until it, it becomes fact. And I have never crossed that line because the one thing I don't want to do is jeopardize someone's job and good name. They probably would never figure out how I knew and and, and uh, connect the dots, but I, I, I would never risk that for somebody. I feel very fortunate to be in the know because some of these guys are some of the bigger hitters as far as writers, uh, you know, young guys that have moved up over the last few years, and they they have the inside ear to everybody. So when I say I'm hearing something, da 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 da, it's usually pretty close to uh, close to the vest, but it's about to be released. And they will say sometimes in the emails, "Look, don't say anything tomorrow until tomorrow." But this is what I'm hearing. So if I lead off with a show that I've done in the past. This is how I get. It. This is how I knew the panda was going to Boston. Remember when I broke that? I was one of the very first people to predict that. And at the time, even even our, our Red Sox guy thought I was nuts. I was like, I'm telling you right now, trust me, it's going to happen. This is how I knew. But I never revealed that source. And I never let that leak out before he said it was okay to leak it out. They ended up signing. You can go back and listen to our podcast. They ended up signing the Panda about three days later. But I knew about it. That's why I never break news like you'll see people on Twitter. Because I've I've got the confidentiality of some people that I, I respect. And you know they would never do it to me. Not that I'm ever in the know. Because if I'm in the know, it's because of them. But sometimes I, I get a hold of stuff here locally that I'll I'll pass along to them. If I hear stuff here locally about the Jaguars, cuz I know a few people who who have uh, friendships with the Jaguars, I might send it to them. Once again, they know. But it was the Boyzand and Verk, he burned his bridge with ESPN. And now it all makes sense how the hell he ended up on the Major League Baseball network, which he never ever liked baseball until he all of a sudden popped up on the major league baseball network and i don't ever remember hearing this guy one time talk about hockey all the times that he filled in or came as a guest he was on mike and mike in the morning not one damn time did this guy ever do that he's been on college football shows on espn so he is a chameleon now, I'm not saying don't listen to him when it comes to movies, but I don't trust the guy in the world of sports. And evidently, I've talked about this in the past and people wanted to know, you know, I've, I've even had people inbox me, what is your deal with him? I was like, I don't know, man. I just can't put my finger on, but I don't like him because I know what I saw and now I know what I'm seeing and he's a complete opposite. But that's the story of him. I'm not going to beat it down anymore, but now that I know know the real story behind it i can i can finally put a cap on that and say all right and if he ever comes up in conversation and go we all know what he's about and and you'll know what i'm referencing at that point but anyways back to the waiver wire before we hit the have to hit the top of the hour again um there are guys out there that are owned 
I'm going to do the cutoff in less than 70%. If they're less than 70% owned, who knows? They might be available. They very well might be available. Um, a lot of us play in, in deep leagues. A lot of us play in leagues where you can't believe someone drops such and such. So there is a chance that these guys could be available. So let's go ahead and start off with, okay, on, on the quarterback standpoint, 63% owned. Jared Goff, he's going up against the Seattle Seahawks, who are the, I don't even know what word I was going there. They're terrible. They're an absolute disaster on defense. And he's available in 37% leagues. So if you're in a bind, if you're, you know, if you've got a guy like, uh, like Pat Mahomes, who's out there that you're missing, Jared Goff's not a terrible, uh, backup. Assuming he's okay to play, Matt Stafford gets a very, very favorable matchup against the Washington Redskins. Now, with the COVID-19, I don't know what the deal is going to be with, with Baker Mayfield, but if he can hit the field, he gets the Houston Texans at home. He's only owned in 33% of leagues. Daniel Jones, that could be a swing and a miss, but he's he's owned in 30% of leagues. He's going to play the... Uh, the Eagles, that, that would be a desperation heave. Running backs, let's go to them. See who's available in in more leagues than you would expect. Uh, let's talk about Devontae Freeman. If for, you know, we got to check the injury report, see if he's, if he's good to go. A lot of people believe that he could be ready for, for week number 10. Anyways, he is only owned by about half of leagues, and he gets the Eagles. And I feel like if he got a chance to play, he would have a decent game, but you are rolling quite the dice there. Another guy that you could throw in there that you might be able to catch lightning in a bottle. It really depends on who they decide to go with. But uh, Philip Lindsay is available in 30% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, Adrian Peterson, he's a vote. He's available. He's going against Washington. I have to look at not, it's not just necessarily that Washington has this terrible defense when it comes to their talent. You have to look at the fact that they don't move the ball very well. So Detroit might have the ball a lot and that just increases your odds. And we talked about McKissick. I just, man, I hate putting my faith in, in the Washington run game. I just really do. I feel like they're going to be behind in Detroit, and, and it's, it's just going to get abandoned. You know, McLaurin's a great start. I don't know about that. I'll tell you someone that, that was used quite a bit, and we'll see if they – the problem is I just think – I just really, really, really believe that Josh McDaniels is a bum. He had pretty good success running Burkhead. Burkhead got in the end zone. Burkhead could be someone that you could stream going up against the Baltimore defense. He's owned in 19% of leagues. 
But you really have to have some kind of faith in Josh McDaniels using what would work. Because they're going to struggle to move the ball through the air. They've got to get Burkhead more involved. I just think it's a huge, huge risk if you start them. I got to see it for a couple of weeks in a row before I would really go with that. I, I let off on my honorable much by I know one thing. I'm going to say it one more time. Everyone wants to talk about was it Brady or was it Belichick? Was it Brady or was it Belichick? Oh, Brady's not doing as well without Belichick. Belichick's not doing as well without Brady. No one's talking about the fact that Josh McDaniel stinks, smells terrible without Tom Brady. If they struggle, it wouldn't surprise me if you see a flippity flop and you see Josh McDaniel run like the wind up back down to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay as Belichick might, you know, heave home. Because what what I see in, with McDaniel is that he's done this for years, but Brady always calms it down because he'll audible out of it. Josh McDaniels tries to be the smartest person in the room at all times. And so he constantly tries to get too cute. Like the like the rollout earlier last night, the, the bootleg where Cam Newton fell on his face and it killed the drive and they had to, you know, kick the field goal. But the point is, what was the point of that crap? It was not needed. Cam Newton is not the athlete he used to be. He's very stiff. But you're going to against the Jets defense that you can find a way to move the ball in between the tackles. Do it. Quit outthinking yourself. Why the hell are you not starting, starting uh, to use your other options as well? Wide receiver is going to give you a couple of names, and then we got to get to going. Um, he's probably not available in your league, but he is available in 27% leagues in Yahoo. So see if Jerry Judy's out there. I do believe he'll have a game against the Vegas Raiders. couple of other names out there. In a game that could be a, shoot, a shootout, John Brown. Not a guy I would, I would typically want to start. But look, he had eight catches and 99 yards last week. He's going to go up against Arizona. You think that's not going to be a shootout? Buffalo versus Arizona? Look out. Sterling Shepard, once again, 51% owned. He's going to go up against the Eagles. He had 59 yards and a touchdowns and eight targets against the Eagles last time out. That was his first game back. And then I'll throw one more out at you. The this guy he didn't well now nah, you know what let's scrap that he had such a bad week last week I'm I'm just not even going to touch it. Uh, here's one. This guy could have a big game in a in a spot like this. Buffalo's Cole Beasley. He's available in forty two percent leagues. So if you're desperate out there, as a lot of people are, sometimes we have to throw things against the wall and see if it sticks. Hopefully you're in a good enough position throughout the year where some of these 
bye weeks aren't going to kill you, and if you don't win, it's not the end of the world. I had some of those situations last week where I was like, yeah, I hope I win, but if I don't, at least I'm not eliminated. At least I'm not skinning to the point. If you have three wins at this point or more, you're still in the conversation in your playoffs. If you're at two wins, one win, it's probably not good news for you. Three wins, I, I could see you rattling them off. A seven and six record, a six and seven record, you, you you might sneak into your playoffs. But anything else, you're probably in really, really bad shape. Um because the the simple fact of the matter is if you're below 500 at the end of the regular season, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. But I've seen teams get in at 6-7. and seven. I haven't seen many teams, unless it's a ridiculous uh, setup there, I haven't seen many teams get in at 5-8 and eight or worse. I know there's been years where I've gone in teams that are just terrible and, I, and I've gotten on a roll. But you usually have to get five wins is usually the cutoff. Sometimes you can get in with five. I've even seen some where they're, where they're top-heavy and a four teams get in. But you probably don't have much of a chance of winning the thing anyways. Depends on really what you did. Um, it, it really depends on what your team looks like going in. Did you have injuries? And are you starting... Are your guys starting to play well? Are they starting to utilize your your guys? I know you're not specifically doing it, but you 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 catch my drift. There's certain certain times where guys get hot on your fantasy team because they're starting to get focused on, and the sky's the limit. All you got to do is get in the playoffs. And I always bank on the fact that if I get in the playoffs, I have a fair shot of winning every week because I know what I'm doing. Not saying I'm gonna beat everybody in every playoff matchup. Sometimes it's just not in the cards. But I've got a better chance than most people. And if you listen to our show, we will guide you that way and uh, go from there. We, uh, Stephen and I, might, by the way, might be getting close to doing a a, a podcast on fantasy football. I got to get with him, but uh, I think as as we're getting close to the playoffs, we we might actually jump on that. So maybe not this coming week, but in the in the very near future, we might be jumping on that. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, turn back time. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I'd take back those words that'll hurt you, and you'd stay. On this date... November 10th. Of course, we already talked about the, this is the 235th anniversary uh, or birthday, however you want to look at it, of the United States Marine Corps coming in, which uh, we don't want to overlook that, so we, we want to give pay homage to that as well. Uh, but on this date in 1964, the Braves sign a 25-year lease to play in the newly constructed Atlanta Braves Stadium and will continue to play there all the way through 1997. Or I'm sorry, through 1996 as as they moved to Turner Field in 97. Remember, they built Turner Field because of the uh, the Olympics coming to Atlanta in 96. 
The pole park, which becomes officially known as Atlanta, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium in 1975, will affectionately become called the launching pad. As uh, players hit home runs there due to being located a thousand feet above sea level on the foothills of the Appalachian mountain. So long before you had anything going on in Colorado with the thin air, the launching pad in Atlanta. Now this date, 1964, it was signed, uh, birthdays. It's your birthday today. Mike McCarthy. What does that mean? I guess I'll Buddy, you got to get some wins, man. I know Jerry Jones is pretty loyal to your guys, and if you're a, if you're a Jerry Jones guy, you're probably safe. But you got to start getting some Ws. I get it you didn't have Dak Prescott, but your team didn't look very damn good before you had Dak Prescott. Jerry Jones knows he doesn't have till the end of time. Jerry Jones has got to be what damn near 80. Even in a perfect world, Jerry Jones is running out of time. So you got to get it together there, guy. Also, uh, by the way, McCarthy is, God, it seems like he's got to be older than that. He's 57. He looks lot older than that. Jerry DiNardo, born in Queens. He is 68 years old. Of course, DiNardo played for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, coached at Colorado, but remember, he was also coach at Vanderbilt. And I remember being a big DiNardo fan back in the day because his, I think they called it DiNardo football or something like that. Anyways, DiNardo used to play some hard-nosed football with uh, Vanderbilt, when Woody Waffenheifer was the coordinator, that's what it was. They used to call it Woody Ball. And uh, Vanderbilt in the 90s had a tough, tough defense. They could never score, but they had a tough defense. I had season tickets in 96 to the Vanderbilt Commodores and saw them play Notre Dame, University of Florida, and Tennessee. All three were powerhouses. They lost every single one of those games by a touchdown each. So they didn't win those games, but man, they were, that was a fun year to go and watch them. Also got them, got to see them play uh, Ole Miss. And I think, I think the other games were, were kind of duds. I'm not even sure if we went to them, but it, it was a good deal. It was like 60 bucks for season tickets for two tickets was 120 bucks we got six or seven games out of it and uh me and the uh girl that i was seeing at the time we, we, we went to a we went to a couple of games and me and some buddies went to a hand, handful of games it was, a, it was a really really fun year uh in nashville to you go to those games you'd pull for van even though you knew they probably weren't going to win but man they they put the scare they put the scare of losing your remember that was the year the floor won the national championship. Well, they was given to them. They shouldn't have ever been in the game, but, um, Steve Spurrier was on the sidelines for the Gators. 
Lou Holtz was on the sideline for Notre Dame. And Phil Fulmer was on the sidelines for Tennessee. That's a, that's a pretty good return, and you're only paying 120 bucks for an entire season of football. It was really fun. I remember right before the Notre Dame game, me and my buddy, I believe it was Tom, uh, me and my buddy were sitting outside the cooker. I don't know if y'all remember the cooker restaurants. We we're sitting outside having a beer, getting ready to go walk over to the game. And who walked right by us? Dick Vitale. He wanted nothing to do with our drunk asses. Cause we were like, you're awesome, baby. Doing all that kind of stuff. And he was like, what would I have been around 22 years oldish, something like that, or 23, maybe. Uh, and he was just kind of rolling his eyes. He was, he was nice. We just kind of said, all right, guys, calm it down. Take it down a level. You might have been a little too uh, drunky over there. You know, who's serving these guys? Hey, buddy, you're middle of Tennessee. That's the way it rolls. We'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday. Sean Tool's going to be here. And tomorrow is a very special show. It is our Veterans Day show. If you haven't listened to that before, it's pretty neat. I think it is what, what we do to commemorate the, the guys that have given their all to the United States military to defend our country and were significant in the world of sports. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. We'll see you. Goodbye, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. We're back tomorrow with another show. Well, unless we talk to you then goodbye sweetheart goodbye goodbye guys and gals it's time to go we'll see you on the next show same back time same back channel thanks for listening to armchair quarterback radio your first choice for sports talk here on the first coast armchair quarterback radio comes your way every day Find Armchair Quarterbacks Radio on Facebook today. And don't forget to tap that app. The Armchair Quarterbacks app is free to download, and you can take us anywhere you go. You can hear the whole show every day on Armchair Quarterbacks app. you haven't downloaded it yet, the Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone. That's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app. The best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like that.